My mama always said, always said, always said, always said, always said, Get ready. This is the voice of gods. We welcome you to Life's Not a Box of Chocolate, starring Butter B. Rocker. Alethea Robinson is a highly versatile and internationally acclaimed artist and musician. Her career includes work as an actress, composer, and model. She's also the best-selling author of Fear of Failure, a playwright, I Cheated So What, editor-in-chief for Define One's Teen Magazine, and is the CEO and founder of the 501c3 nonprofit Artist Rock, the Mike Foundation, Olethea Butter B. Rocker Robinson, been diligently putting in work across all markets and borders around the world. So get ready for one and only Butter B. Rocker. How are we doing? How's everyone doing tonight? How you doing, dear? How's everything? I love that intro. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I know I've been practicing that ever since I was a kid. For some reason, when I was four, I had that tone of voice. I don't know. I have no idea where it came from, but I thank God for it. So. Yeah, I like it. I like it. I'm doing good. Yep, yep. So how, how are you like doing today? I sound like y'all on 10. Go ahead. I said, y'all sound like y'all on 10. I'm on 10, so we're definitely fun. I'm interviewing. Oh, yeah. We're definitely on 10. Oh, yeah. 10, <laughs> 10 plus. 100%. Yep. Yep. So, Danny, you there, buddy? Oh, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm here. Oh, okay. I thought so that... Danny sound like he on five. Yeah, Danny's on fire. Yeah, I mean, come on, Danny. We'll have to throw you that extra five plus to get you on the levels of the gods. No, I'm trying to actually, um, I'm trying to actually, uh, enable my Wi-Fi. I'm not with them. Uh, Olita or, Olita or Butter, which one would you like me to call You can call me Butter. I call you Miss Rocker. Miss <laughs> 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 I'm, I'm not with them right now. I'm, on, I'm actually on the phone. Um, I might have been exposed to the virus, so I'm stepping away from them. Um, gotcha. And right now, I'm experiencing some technical difficulties, so I'm trying to figure that out, but I'll get right up there on the 10th. Okay. Cool. All right. Okay. All right. So, um, I just want to uh, start off by just saying, uh, Butter, uh, before we get into it, I just want you to uh, shout out your Twitter and Instagram so where people can find you. Yeah, plug anything you want, your social media um, handles, any type of website, anything you want to promote. We always like to get that any over project, whatever you yeah. want. Well, that's super easy because all of my social media handles as well as my um, website and YouTube channel is all Butter B. Rocker. That is B-U-T-T-A, B as in boy, R-O-C-K-A, Butter B. Rocker. That's definitely super simple. I never heard of like everybody have the same exact name. That's that's definitely simple and easy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I make that. A, I was that was very important to me because you know you have to have a be like a one, be like yeah, yeah. Like, no, too much. <laughs> yeah. You got to switch one letter. Yes, yes. Right, right. All right, so um, so but I just want to get into this really quick because when I was going over your media kit and looking over everything, the one thing that I mean, everything caught my eye, of course, but the one thing that really caught my eye is that you that you performed at the presidential inauguration. Um, now, which which president was it? Well, um, well, uh, it was actually for the new one that's in there. Oh no! I don't uh, really talk about it. Yeah, oh, no, number, number, uh, we'll just say number 45, okay, <laughs> all right. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Okay. It was, him, um, it was uh, one of his inaugurations. What happens is, um, at the presidential inaugurations, there's several that, uh, that goes on the same day, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, the military inauguration, there's different ones, and, uh, yeah, I got called to be a part of one of the inaugurations, and, um, I'm not a political person. I did not personally vote for him, mm-hmm. but um, but it, it still was a major thing uh, to get called to perform for any type of president, you know. Mm-hmm. So it was a it was a blessing, but then again, it was it was so much controversy going on um, with with uh, him 
that I didn't really post, post about it as much. I didn't really brag about it because, I mean, that's a big thing. Big deal. <laughs> more fun in front of the president. Uh, um, but I didn't really go ham on it because, like, they had literally just pushed the fact to shut the shell. And she was a signed artist, and I'm an independent artist, so, you know, to, to uh, really post about it like that, it, it wasn't something that I was going to share, you know, all over. Mm-hmm. But um, it was a big achievement, and um, for me, who does music full-time, and I'm a single mom, and, um, you know, have two boys, we pay our bills. Yeah, two, two incredible boys, by the way. Mm-hmm. What'd you say? You got two incredible sons, by the way. Thank you. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah it was, it was, it was awesome. A, thank you. Thank you. It was, a, it was a big moment um, for me, just in general. I mean, anytime I'm on stage, it's always a blessing. Um, and, um, of course, one thing, once you're on stage, one thing leads to another stage. So, you know, it's definitely been a, a, an incredible ride. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So, um... All right, so I, I mean, I don't want to like jump to conclusion to conclusion, but um, I just want to uh, hey, go ahead, Danny. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. So you know, uh, you mentioned uh, just, to, I just again, I want to give a shout out to your sons again. Um, I know we only spoke to one of them, but absolutely amazing. Um, so let's let's uh, backtrack a little bit here. Um, can you give us? Let's start at the beginning. So how exactly? did um, you get to be in the position that you're in now? Like, how did it walk me from start to finish? How did you end up, you know, uh, performing at the presidential inauguration or, you know, a, a, all the accomplishments that you've had? Yeah, you know? how did yeah, the journey start? Yeah, yeah, let's start from, like, early childhood. Um, did you grow up in Atlanta? Were you raised somewhere else and moved there? Um, how did you How did you gain a, a, you know, how did you get to love music? How, how did that become the thing that you wanted to do in life? We just want to start from the beginning to get you. your whole story. Yep. <laughs> Um, well, I started at age four, and Diana Ross on the radio, I mean, on the TV. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I ran upstairs, and I went and got uh, my bowl and put on one of my little dresses, and I came downstairs, got my grandmother's wooden spoon, and, and I was going to be the next Diana Ross. You know, I think every kid, seeing somebody that looked like them on stage and was all extra glamorous, they like, oh my God. So, um, that was the first taste uh, of me wanting to sing. I started doing um, various talent uh, uh, shows and stuff like that. I don't really know. You know, as a kid, you're going to win anyway because you're execute, uh, <laughs> you know, and it's a kid. So, you know, they always win. So, you know, I started doing that, but I actually started taking it serious. I'm from Kentucky. I'm from Kentucky. Kentucky. Um, we moved to Tampa, Florida. Yep, Kentucky. Got it. We moved to Tampa, Florida, and while I was in Tampa, Florida, Around the age of 12 and 13 is when I started taking it real serious. I got in the, um, formed a girl group with my cousins and some of my friends, and four of us, uh, in OLP. And we began practicing and working on dancing scenes and singing and all this type of stuff. I was the baby of the crew. Mm-hmm. And, and this was in Tampa, Florida? We were going all these talents in Tampa, Florida. Okay, cool. We were going all these Oh, no, 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 I, I was just asking if it was in Tampa, Florida. You said yes, right? Okay. I was doing all these talent shows, and then I got, uh, we did beat all the time. We did beat because, I mean, we weren't good. We weren't good at that moment because we were brand new. But each time we got, we uh, lost, we learned from it, and we went back and practiced, and, and eventually, you know, dance sports coordination started making sense. The economy started making sense. We started learning about stage control and, you know, really being able to own the stage and everything. And we started winning a whole lot. That's you know? crazy. Um, can I um can yeah, I just yeah. stop you for a second? Did you have any specific like a uh, mentor that was helping your group through this, or was this just all you guys just trial and error? When when we first started out, um, we have a dance I, I honestly I don't remember if we had a dance crowd. So I think when we first started out, we just was looking at other people's videos and, and I got you. other people that was on stage and. You know, we just came up with the routines and stuff myself. I mean, eventually, uh, I moved to having dance choreographers and designers and doing clothes and everything else. But as far as she was learning the stuff myself, um, uh, 
we started coming to Atlanta working with this guy named Gio Hall, um, who was a producer. I actually don't know how we started working with him, but um, we started coming back and forth to Atlanta. And during that time, Usher had just signed. He got a called Call Me the Mac. And we started working with Usher, and we started working with Bobby Brown's camp. Um, wow. We, we eventually, my 12th, my 11th grade, the end of my 11th grade year, we moved to um, Atlanta. Because, again, we were coming back and forth. Like, literally, every weekend, we were traveling back and forth from Tampa. Mm-hmm. So we eventually moved up to Atlanta. And we got to Atlanta, and uh, my, my, my cousins that I was singing with, uh, moved back to Kentucky, so we had other um, girls in the group, the four of us. And to be very honest, again, I'm the baby of the crew. My mom was our manager, so you know your mom's gonna have a tight rope on you anyway. Um, <laughs> and then I was the baby, so um, they had just graduated. Uh, I was in fourth grade, and they had just graduated from fourth grade. So um, okay. we got up here, and we started we started being around. Yeah, at this time they weren't really big, big, big stars yet, but Outcast and CLC and all these people at these parties and stuff. And this is before they all, you know, was really big, big celebrities and stuff. And to be very honest, we got up here and and people lost their minds because you just had all these mega stars and you get the party and and you're you're eighteen. You know what I mean? So you, yeah, I can't even picture that. Out. Can't even picture that. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, so we ended up moving up here. Um, they they wanted to um, sign sign all of us, the four of us, but uh, some of the some of the uh, ladies in my group got a little wilder than others. Um, so the group ended up breaking up. Mm-hmm. I went solo, and to just make a long story short. I went solo, had two deals on the table, one with Warner and one with Sony. I ended up, um, was headed to my attorney's office and I got into a car accident. The car accident left me drinking from a straw for six months. What? Oh, oh my God. God. Jesus Christ. Yeah. That's, that's uh... Yeah. Yeah, it was crazy. It took me a year to come back out. And when I came back out, those deals were no longer on the table. Oh. One um, company had revamped. And the other company had just signed um, a young lady that was younger than me. And at, at that point, uh, I remember going to the third label that was interested in me, which was Island Records. And the guy just straight up told me, he was like, you know, brother, I really like you and everything, but, you know, they are signing, um, you know, at, that, at that time, the teenage craze, you know, the Britney Spears. The yeah, yep, yep. Right. And, and at this point, I'm like 18, 19, so... You know, he basically told me I missed the boat, and that was a, wow. you know, a, like a big um, crush for me because I always wanted to sing, I always wanted to be on the road. I mean, that's, there was no B plan. It's always been music, music, music. You know, I had I literally had visors on in, in high school. We didn't talk about music. We had that stuff about. Like, it was that serious for me. So, um, I went into a depression. Um. Got married, had kids, you know, the whole got a job, that type of stuff, went to college, all that type of stuff. But let and, me let me stop you real quick. So they didn't even give okay. you any sort of like, you know, re audition or you know, they didn't empathize with your situation and say, you know, we did want we, we did at one point want you, let's see, let's see if we could still try to give this a go. Let me just hear you audition, let me see you do a song or something. They didn't even give you the time of day? No. Oh. Nope. No time of day. Oh, well, like I said, one had completely revamped, so it was all new people in there. Yeah, so they didn't um, even so care. that was yeah. one label. Yes. And then the second label, I mean, you have paid, you have a quota and a certain amount of money that you have to spend on, on different developments of artists and everything. Yeah. And if you yeah. just find a young lady that was around the same age, the food is younger, um, you're not, you don't have extra money because you got to use that money back then for that artist, a lot of yeah. artist development and stuff like that so you don't have no extra money to get somebody else who you uh, have to do who your prime stars to be so I missed those folks yeah. um yeah of course I got depressed like I said um I started doing uh studio work and I started wait hold on one second 
One second, just a quick question. After something like that happens, and you, you finally come back, um, and uh, the, that gentleman told you that they were that you basically didn't want you anymore. How did you find the motivation to keep pushing forward? Well, I mean, I did for a minute. Just, you know, it was a shocker because, like, right. I grew up with, like, I said, I grew up with eight nine, and all of us kind of was on, like, the same starting playing field. And I did, I mean, their careers were, like, they were mega stars, you know what I mean? And I'm just, I'm now this kid that didn't even get, I didn't even get to get started, you know? So, it was kind of like we was on two different level planes now, so it was really hard for me. Um, right, it would was, be for anybody. Yeah, but there was nothing else. Like, like when, when that's all you want to do, even even if you give it up, you still come back right. to it. <laughs> you know, you put it down, yeah, get this in chancel, you like, up by the fucking level, like, kick it away, and next thing you know, you up in the night writing on the song, <laughs> you know? So, I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of like, it's like, music has that love-hate relationship, because when you, you love it, when you're doing the stuff that you want to do, and you hate it, when it's not going your way. So, right, of course, that's, that's, that's the thing about, um, about having a passion, it's, it's almost, it almost is a love-hate relationship, because you, you almost hate the fact that you love it so much, and you just can't get yeah. away from it. Yeah, and then I promise you, there were so many times that I honestly wanted to quit. Um, but I started working, and I started, but I still had a, a passion for music, so I started, um, I was working at 9 to 5 during the daytime, and at nighttime I was over in the studio, and right. I, I okay. would go, yeah, I would, get, I would get off work at 5 o'clock, and I mind you, I'm married, I got kids, well, I got one son by the end, um, but I would get out of, leave work, and go straight to the studio. And I'm in the studio from, like, literally, let's just say 6.30 to 5 o'clock in the morning. I come home just enough time to take a shower and get ready to go back. So that was my schedule. When did you go to sleep? <laughs> you just never yeah, I know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> no, I know when I went to sleep. I went to sleep, um, like, after you, like, when you're in the studio, so you were in there writing and you're coming up, like, producing something that was be writing, writing in the air, and then you're recording it, uh, a lot of stuff is very spontaneous, but when he's mixing, that's when you, uh, when he's working on, you know, a part of the song, that's when you, <laughs> that's take, when your you little, take your little nap, exactly, right? yeah. and then he's like, you ready? And then you get back up and start recording again. <laughs> so, what's what, what's so crazy, crazy, what's so crazy to me is that, like, your situation is so unique because there's so many people out there trying to be like an artist or a singer or an actor or whatever, but a lot of people never even get the chance to have like a, a deal on the table. So that's what really gets me about your story. Mm -hmm. Well, I appreciate that. Um, I mean, it would have been an even better story if I actually got the deal. You know? Yeah, I mean, well, no, yeah. that's not necessarily true. <laughs> yeah, you can't reflect yeah, that's on that. Yeah. Because a lot of the time, uh, when you when when you the, when you get knocked down, standing back up is what makes a better story. And but honestly, from what I've seen, especially in your from all the research I've done with you, you're standing up pretty tall. Oh yeah, yeah. Now I, I can definitely uh, tell you that. I mean, it it does get really hard, of course. But um, I think that fighter in me will push through it. I mean, I have my moments where it's like, oh my God, I'm just about to give up on life. Like, this is it. And then, and then somehow get that strength again to keep going. And I don't know if it's, you know, it's, you know, I have kids, so, you know, I know that they depend on me. That gives me strength. My whole family supports me. So when I have those low moments and I'm having, you know, having those days, you know, I, I'm able to pull from my family and my loved ones and everything. Uh, to keep going. Yeah, you got them to pull you back up. Yeah, definitely. And I, I mean, I definitely not. What did you say? All right, go ahead. I was uh, going to say. Was... Oh, God. <laughs> Danny, you killed him. <laughs> I was going to say, uh, I've definitely um, fallen several times, but, um, um, like, Left rounds, you can look up, you can get up, and I'm definitely a fighter. And I think it's just a matter of you got to come up swinging. 
and 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 fight any way to the top. I mean, I'm I'm definitely that shit. And honestly, for all you know, I mean, I'm the type of person that a lot of the times that when things happen to me in life, I feel like it happened for a reason. Like you don't know if maybe you could have got a deal, and it, you know your partnership wouldn't have meshed well with the with the head of the label, mm -hmm. or they could have you know dropped you or something. Like there's so many different things that could have happened in a negative way. So I mean, I believe everything happens for a reason. Yeah, definitely. Um, you don't understand it at the moment, and you ain't really trying to hear it at the moment. You know, I'm not trying to I know, hear it. I know, of course, of course, okay. I know. It's gonna, it's gonna be fine. You don't of see the silver lining, you know, when you're in the storm. But you know, once you go through the storm, you're like, okay, yeah, maybe that was protection and all this type of stuff. But definitely, while you're going through it, oh my God, it's like the worst feeling. Of course, you know? of course. And, I, you know, even when people come, like, you know, even when people come to you and they say, oh, you know, somebody always has it worse or somebody in a third world country, it's, it's hard to put yourself in that same person's shoes when, when people come and say that type of stuff to you. Yeah, definitely. Um, what's crazy is, um, like, even, um, so fast forward and all the way to right now, I had, um, back in December of 2018, I fell and, um, from rehearsing, and I dislocated my shoulder, and oh I had a minutes with me for an ACL. Now, I have been literally on the road um, doing music school since 2007 when I left my first job. Mm -hmm. So, to go from tour, 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 tour for, for too many years to all of a sudden a big halt because you injured yourself was like, oh my God, what am I about to do? You know, and um, I really had to figure out some additional hustles that I had to send my own self. But what was even crazier for me is having, uh, like like I said, I injured my knee, and I couldn't walk. I had to, I had to use a walker for several months, and I switched through canes. I mean, it was just crazy, and it was really hard for me. But I was so determined to get back on my feet and to get better. But I had people calling me that, a friend of mine, who's a, a, a big-time author, he, at age 15, um, became paralyzed. Now, I'm a person who crying because of just for a small moment of, of a little inconvenience, I can't really walk, and I can't, you know, I got to use a walk, and I got to use pain. And then, then here you got, you got somebody that cannot walk again. What, what age did that happen to him again? What age? What age did that happen to him again? He was 15. 15, all right. Okay, got it. Yeah. So you have him calling me, you know, telling me it's going to be okay, pushing me, and I'm boo-boo crying. And then when you look at the situation, you're like, you know, you you have a good right now because you can still walk. You can still, you know, yeah, you use a walker, but you can walk. Yeah, your shoulder's dislocated and it hurts and all that type of stuff, but you can use the limb. So... It made me become very humble and um and 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 set my mind right on my whole journey. So. Mm -hmm. Now I'm assuming that um some of these events probably I mean safe to assume I guess some of these events led you to um uh, writing the book Fear of Failure, correct? Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. Yes. Um. Well, I um I wrote the book. Um, uh, I was. I had performed for the Prime Minister of Bahamas in Bahamas. Yes. And then the, the same lady that hired me hired me to perform at this yacht party in um, Fort Lauderdale. Mm -hmm. And while I was there, there was this, um, there was this uh, millionaire that came, and he was speaking, and he was like, tell your story. I should book. And it's something I've always wanted to do. You know what I mean? So I was like, huh. And he was like, um, you, you really should. He was giving the speech and everything and all these people. And, and I was, I had formed, but, you know, I was really looking for what he said. So when I went, I had a, a show in Hawaii and we got stuck out to sea because I was staying on a cruise ship as a guest in the tank. Mm -hmm. And we got stuck out to sea for additional days. So you're out to sea, just water all around. I had nothing else to do. You know, I didn't get on the ship. For almost like five days, I didn't have enough fun. You know what I mean? I, I didn't have <laughs> yeah, yeah. done that. So I'm sitting in my room and I start writing my book. I didn't know where to start from. I just start. And um, as I was writing, 
um, I'll be like, oh, yeah, let me put this at the beginning, then I'll put something else, and then I'll write, and then I'll, you know, and then it just started forming to this book. Started flowing, um, yep. Yeah, yeah, and it took me four days. I wrote the book in four days. That's and crazy. when I came back home, I, you know, of course, I had to edit it and keep going back. Yeah, and yeah. I would add more stuff, but the uh, milk and potatoes of the whole uh, book started four days. Yeah, just fully giving up. I would have, could have, should have. Yeah, exactly. I can't, I can't yeah, exactly. Make it. I have to, I have to at least go for it. If I don't make it, okay, I don't make it, but I made it farther than where I was. And that's my attitude. So it was like, you know, why not? Why can't I like this book? Why can't I like this play, which I wrote? Why can't I, you know, there's so many things. My attitude is, why can't I? You know, yeah, so yeah, I'm going to try everything. <laughs> and my, my book became a, a Amazon bestseller and best movie release within seven hours. Wow. Oh. <laughs> Within yes, seven hours. Yes. That's crazy. That's, that's, <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, that's a good accomplishment. Thank oh, you. God. Thanks very much. That's really And you probably inspired a lot of people because God knows how many other people were were in your type of situation, you know, when it comes to the things that happened to you and how you had deals on the table and the traumatic accident and wanting to give up and there's probably so many people that were inspired by your story. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I had so many insecurities, you know. I'm, I'm now a mother. I'm, 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 I'm not as small as I used to be, you know, back then. I was about but the fact that you could even admit that, like the fact that you could even face your insecurities and boldly admit them is, is something in itself because a lot of us can't. Well, I mean, that's what makes us human insecurities. I mean, for someone to ever say, oh, I have no insecurities, you know, it's like, okay, sure you don't. Like, you know, I mean, we all right. do. We all do. And that's what makes us human. And, you know, that's more than normal, you know. But facing them yeah, is a whole other thing. I'm going to tell you this, though. That, that also scared me from putting this book out because I put a lot of personal, you know, things. I mean, talking about my divorce and and how I really felt, you know, because it was touching when when you get into this car accident and all of a sudden all your dreams fall away and all of your friends that was, that was on the same level I'm not even going to lie to you. I was going to ask you that when you first mentioned how you like grew up with them, but I didn't want to get like too, too personal. But the fact that you just said it, yeah, I felt the same way. Like you grew up with these people, they're these megastars. You would think that they would be the first person to stretch their arm out. You would think yeah, that. I, was actually, I was thinking that. <laughs> Yeah, especially when I used to do be in the studio and do these demos and do all this stuff. So it, it played a lot with my um, with my emotions and, and it made me feel like I wasn't worthy or I wasn't good enough. You know, I felt like I, it started making me think that you know maybe they only they only was around hanging around me you know for something and then once they became the next star all of a sudden you know I'm not as good anymore and then that then then that that made me say well maybe I never was good so I just I went through a lot of insecurities in my own mind and it took me a long time to you know come back out because I was I was afraid I ain't even gonna lie I was afraid of rejection um of it didn't feel good and even when I wrote the book as much as I wanted I always wanted to write a book. I was scared to put, put it out there because I'm, I'm so transparent in that book, you know. Um, but I think that it will help people. It'll, it'll let people know it don't matter your age, it don't matter your race, it don't matter, it don't matter your, if you're single, if you're in college, it don't matter because I was, I was doing all of that. I was back in college, got divorced, and I had two kids, still on my feet trying to push the thing towards music, you yeah. know, called music. So, it was a lot of things, but I think the book will help people and let them know that, you know, you, you at least got to try. I mean, or at least it'll inspire them enough to say, if she did it, then maybe I can do it too. Of course. Okay. So, um, I want to I actually fast forward a little bit, or, or you tell okay. me at what point in the story we are with this. So, 
I see that um, you have also you performed for the Prime Minister of the Bahamas and okay. for the Royal Family of Nigeria. How do you? How does that even come into fruition? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um. Well, they come. They happen from. I think really just years and years of paying your dues in the industry, mm-hmm. and uh, the more you perform. You know, you perform at this location, and somebody say, "Hey, I want to hire you for this location." And oh. I mean, I've been I've been doing this. I've been in the music industry for over twenty plus years, and mm-hmm. um, I think my first big break was um, as a songwriter. You know, either my ASCAP or our and um, I had finally got the nerve to come out with my own album, and I went and Inside put me on the trip. Um, which was a major thing because, like I said, as a writer, and, and there's so many big producers and writers, so they put me on their uh, roster to perform, and that performance was mega. And then they ended up putting me in their magazine, which goes out to um, went out to over fifty thousand people as the next up and coming artist to look out for. And um, while I was performing at Seaside. I got an invitation to perform at Centennial Park, which in Atlanta is kind of like your Times Square. Not as big, but it's a big, big park. And, oh, wait, wait, wait. And, um, uh, backtrack, backtrack. What park did you just say? Because my, my mom and my sister actually live over there, so I've been going back and forth from here to Atlanta for okay. about 10 years now, so I probably know where you're talking about. Would you say Centennial Park? Centennial Park. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. I know where that's at. Right in the heart of downtown. Yeah, go ahead, continue. Okay, so I performed that, um, I got a call to perform at Centennial Park. Um, my first, my, so my second, my second show was in front of 5,000 something people. And, uh, 10 minutes after I got off stage, I got an offer to go over to Africa. Now, I had been offered plenty of shows overseas, but, um, they weren't the right type of contract for me. And I think also I had a fear of, Leaving my husband for so long, and my kids were young, so I think I kept making excuses. But when this Africa um, um, tour came up, I couldn't make an excuse because I mean they was offering to bring bring a loved one over there for two weeks. You had a driver that gave you a cell phone. Of course, you had your own room. Uh, I mean, it was so many perks. Plus, they was gonna play my own, you know, my music and. You know, all this different type of stuff. So, so you were completely covered. I was like, yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't pass that up. So I went ahead and took that gig, um, um, and and that led to so many other things. Like, so now I'm over in Africa, and somebody's like, "Hey, you interested in cruise ships?" So like I say, it's just it's one of those th- one of those things where you get on on that stage and you do a good job and you let let them people remember you. You're gonna get home. So you know what I mean? let me ask you something. Say, hey. So was the catalytic event um, Centennial Park, or was it when you performed in Africa? Um, actually, I would say it, it, it was from CSEC because CSEC was the beginning of me introducing myself to the world, and okay. that led to you know other other places. Gotcha. One thing leads to the next, and then you you perform at this place, and then a, a bass player say, "Hey, I got some shows over here. You want to do those exactly. over here?" And yep. that leads you that leads you to Virginia, and then that leads you to New York, and then you then you're over in Spain. Like you don't know. And that's just building your resume. That's building your skills. That's also building your confidence as well. Absolutely. 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 Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Um. So uh, one thing that I wanted to ask you about was the playwright. The the, the the playwright that you wrote, how did that come about? I cheated so what? With, I think he's referring to that, yeah. Yeah, I cheated so what? How did that come about? And what does okay, that mean exactly? So I cheated, <laughs> I'll tell you. Um, so I cheated so what came from a song I wrote called The Storm. Um, the Storm came from a girlfriend of mine who was married. She had been married for several years. Uh, the husband was cheating on the lady. And mm. she had a wet look. Now, at this particular time, she had three boys, and now she had this little girl. So, at the little girl's fourth birthday, um, she, the mom, the, the wife, comes comes to the birthday party.
party with her three kids. Well, the baby mama doesn't want her there, and she tells the husband to tell his wife to leave. It was Super crazy. Oh my god! Oh my so, god. That, yeah, that's the <laughs> Of course, the argument, right? Right. So, of course, the argument starts, and she, uh, she and she leaves. She leaves her kids there with her husband and you know the other lady, and she goes to confide in a, in a friend of hers. And one thing leads to another. She sleeps with the other guy, right? So she feels guilty, and she comes home and she tells the husband. You know, at some point, she ends up telling the husband. Husband who has been cheating on her multiple times and who knows his baby out of wheelock, which she still stays stuck around. Um, she she tells him and he calls her a hoe, you were this, you were that, I want a divorce, I don't want to see you again. Like, you know, he really, he really passed out and had a pit. After he was and, cheating? Right. And yeah, yeah, that, that doesn't and that, that, right. Yeah, that doesn't make yeah, much sense. Right. Yeah. But, so, she um she came to my house and she she was telling me and I'm like this is a song so um I wrote this song called the storm and in the first parts of the lyric it says I admit it I did it I cheated so what and the so what is to say you know you got some nerve you know coming to me talking about you know having a problem that I cheated and you cheated on me and so what I did with the song is I flipped it where okay. The lady is saying, you know, when, when a guy cheats, he comes up with all these types of excuses. She didn't really mean anything. There's just so many different things that I personally have heard and other ladies have heard. So I, I used those same, those same things and turned it uh, and made it where the woman was saying it to the guy. You want me to forgive you, but can you do the same? Can you look away and act like nothing's changed? Mm-hmm. Can he face the fact I've been with another? Can we get me up because of love? You know? So I was just trying to, you know, play on words. So anyway, the first time I ended up injuring my knee, um, which led to it being dislocated, was two years prior. And when I injured it in Bahamas um, at another show, I injured it. Um, and that had me, I had to come home for about a month and not tour. So in doing that, that made me start thinking of, okay, guys, I'm going to have to figure out another hustle right now. So I had done plays before. So I started auditioning for different plays. I uh, got picked up to play a part in this one play. Um, they ended up changing the date. And so I couldn't do the new date because I was already booked. Uh, but I kept in relationship or in, in communication, rather, with the director um, from that play. And as we were talking one day, we were talking about lyrics, and I said, I have, I have deep lyrics. I said, I wrote this song called The Storm. I sent it over to him. He called me back, and he was like, brother, this is a play. And I was like, you know, I've always wanted to write a play, but I've never written one before. And he was like, oh, you know, I've written plays for over 20 years. I can, I can, um, he offered to write it for me. Um, I didn't want him to write it for me, but I did want him to write it with me so that I could learn how to do it. Mm-hmm. So, so he started teaching me, you know, how to how to make a how to make a, how to write a play and how to make it make sense and have all these different layers and have how to how to interact and write in the um, in the verbiage how you know two people will come into the same conversation how you had a third person all this type of stuff. So, as he began showing me, you know, I'm a writer anyway, so he wrote some of it, and then I ended up writing a whole lot of it as well, mm-hmm. and so we had a, um, I had six national recording artists, um, they, you know, people are like, how did you get so many national recording artists in your play, especially being a first, um, a first time writer, well, because I'm connected in the music industry, and he's in the, um, you know, play play industry for So it was like the perfect mesh between the two worlds. Right. That's crazy. So it was easy for me to call my friends, um, these major celebrities and him to call his major friends and celebrities and say, Hey, we got this play That's and most of them was like, Say no more, I got you know. So we get to play <laughs> the um play tell a thousand people, we had seven hundred and seventy five people. Um, it did really good. 
They wanted to take it on the road, but let me tell you, the problem is you got six national recording artists who got six different managers who got six of different schedules. Mm -hmm. So it became crazy because, like, as a promoter, when you have these six people that you're selling to that audience, you know, to get tickets and stuff like that sold, they don't want to see the same people at the actual play. They don't want to see that you used to have Tina, now you got. Tanisha, you know, of course, yeah, person. it looks off. It's like when it's like yeah. when a movie comes out and they come out with a part two and there's different actors. It's just it's a turn off. Yeah, yeah, you're basically enjoying yourself the rest of the time. And that was just a week, like a week span, basically, just two 45-minute shows within a week on, on the cruise? Yeah, on the cruises. Wow, and then, like, awesome. Dominican Republic, for New Year's, I, I, like I said, that one was 9,000 people. Um, so for that, I was um, on the cruise, I mean, I, I was in Dominican, we were there for a week. Um, I probably did a 40-minute show, 45-minute show on New Year's Day, you know, New Year's night, whatever. Um, and then that's it. You go home and you have a good time. When I went to so Ethiopia, huh? Yeah. No, I was I was gonna actually ask about like the the length of the actual shows. Um, I don't I don't know anything about this stuff. So I, I, it's really interesting to me. Um, mm -hmm. so like your your typical show, how many songs do you usually perform? Like how long does the actual the actual show you said is about forty to forty five minutes. So how many songs is that? Well, it depends on how you can, how, how you want to break up your show. Like, if you um, want to get a lot of songs in there, you wouldn't do the full song. You know, you would do um, you would do different arrangements of of different songs to keep to keep the crowd hype. So, 
for me, mm-hmm. like you wanna you wanna give give them just enough to make them want more, but you don't wanna give everything. So it would depend on which show it is, and right. that would that would determine you know what what stage it is will determine um, how big the show is. I mean, I've had from a four piece, which is just me, which was a four piece meaning um, guitar, keys, bass, and drums, and just me as a singer to having um, a three-piece horn, two additional background um, dancers, three um, three background singers, a five-piece band. But it just depends on what stage I'm on um, will determine what I'm going to give. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. And now, just to stay on the on the topic um, of music, and then I actually want to get into your your um, the, uh, your artist rock the mic. But before we get into that, I just want to just stay in the topic of, of music. I saw on uh, the re- with the research that I was doing about you that you've done a whole bunch of demo recordings, background vocals, um, and it was pretty much just for artists like Janet Jackson, Akon, Nas, Dream. Uh, it was a whole bunch, honestly. So right. walk me through what exactly that um, that means. So like, what exactly? Just because this is for for me and anybody who does who doesn't actually know, I don't know what a demo recording is. Um, right. And what, okay. what do you, what do you, how do background vocals work exactly? Okay. So, well, um, as an 18 year old, 19 year old getting $1,200 to $1,500, a demo is when you go into the studio and a producer who just, you know, created the track is in there and either you as a writer are singing the song and coming up with, you know, your arrangement for the song. Or you are you are demoing it for somebody else who wrote it. So in, in my case, especially back then, there was a writer and then there was a producer, but they didn't think. So they would call somebody in to record or demo what the song was going to be. And then they would then use that demo to send it to the particular artist that they would either shopping it for um, to, to get the deal you know, to get the, right. the artist to sing the song, or you were doing the demo so that you could reference, they could reference how that person uh, wanted to arrange it. So I was, I was what they call a demo singer, especially you see, I bore out of the demo, and again, you get fifteen hundred, you know, dollars and stuff like that. You can keep doing it up, but I didn't realize that. No, you need to be on the actual album. And have your name right. on the credit. You know, yep. I didn't know that because I was young. Um, but it still was a big blessing for me. So yeah, I was doing a lot of stuff um, in the studio as a demo, as a demo singer. Um, but you know, the demo, the demo singer is not what's on the record. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. Yeah. It was still, it was still a, a, an amazing experience for me. So um, um, on TLC, I did Little Rain's Nine Tonight. Uh, that was my first single. That um, came on the radio. Um, I did black. I did some um, um, background for black. Um, yeah, I worked, with, I worked with a couple of people. I got called uh, Kanye West did this uh, Sunday service here in Atlanta. I got called for that. Um, oh wow! That was with a million, that was with a million other you know singers. We got a big right. flyer, so so it was it was different right. from what I expected it to be though. Because I'm like, oh man, I got called Kanye West. And I get this, like a million other singers. I'm like, oh, okay. But it was still cool, and it's still something. Huh? No, I was saying, if I got called to be on something with Kanye, I'd be going crazy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nah, I'm not going to act like I wasn't excited about it, but it wasn't, um, I mean, I thought it was going to be a little bit more intimate than, than, you know, a huge choir. But, I mean, it it was still cool. To get up there and learn a song. Exactly. I still take what I, I can I get. <laughs> yeah, of course. Of course. Let me ask you something. Have you ever written uh, songs for other artists? Yes. Okay. Um, I've, I've written for um, artists overseas. I mean, I'm, I'm That's overseas cool. a lot. Um, so I've written for a lot of overseas artists. Um, one of them, Nathan Dream, uh, did. Uh, Three on her second album, and then on her third album, I did her single. Um, she performed, and it was so cool. She performed my the song that I wrote. Um, um, 
on a national um, award show and wow. a big festival. A festival was in front of 70,000 people. Seven, wait, the, did you just say 70,000? Like, oh, my God. <laughs> 70,000. Surreal. Yep. Yeah. But yeah. you did um you personally were in front of how many at most? Nine thousand, right? Or twenty thousand was my Twenty thousand. All right. And how how did that feel? I mean, did your heart like come out of your throat? <laughs> uh um ironically, a lot of my a lot of my big shows I, I get very nervous or I have butterflies, you know, because mm-hmm. you're like, Oh my god, this is real. Um mm-hmm. Um, and I think, I think we use that, that energy, uh, to get out on that stage. I mean, and you just get into the crowd and it's so crazy because the more energy, the more, the more hype they are, the more hype it's going to make you, you know, as an artist. So, um, you know, it was, it was real cool. It was, it was real cool. <laughs> wow. I can't even so, imagine. Uh, lastly, one, um, before we wrap up, I want to ask you about your, uh, your artist rock the Might Foundation, uh, which also uh, I believe it, it led into your your five hundred one c three nonprofit. Right. Okay. So can you just tell me a little bit about that? What exactly is the artist rock the Might? Yeah, definitely. So artist rock the Might, Um, we we work with college homeless students. I was approached um, a couple of years ago from a lady that uh, was in college and she was making straight A's. And she was telling me that she was homeless. And I'm like, how are you homeless? And you got a scholarship. And she, um, you know, began to tell me that she was couch hopping and stuff like that. And it intrigued me because she said she um, was homeless from a college here in Atlanta that's a big known college. And um, it's a wealthy known college at, at that. Uh, so, which which college uh, is it, if you don't mind? Tennessee State. Okay. University. Mm-hmm. So I ended up, um, there was a lady that worked uh, with my nonprofit organization and she had eyes uh, with Kennesaw State. So she got me in contact with the lady that's over the care program there. And at that particular moment, they had over 1,100 students that were homeless. And afterwards, they have academic and athletic scholarships but that doesn't pay for your room and board, it doesn't pay for your food. Or anything, so the students were couch hopping. It's what they call it, where they're going from dorm to dorm, or they were sleeping in the cars. And this particularly, she was um, would go through the cafeteria and eat from the um, trash can, and um, and they ended up uh, locking the trash cans and put a big bag of food on um, on the trash bag. I mean, on the on top of the trash can, and was telling her, "Please stop eating that trash can. You get sick." And she would use the um, the gym to take her showers and stuff like that. And that's how she was getting by. So, you know, I'm an artist. I sing anyway. And I do plenty of shows. And and then in Atlanta, they have, like, you know, open mics and stuff like that. So it was nothing for me to get up on stage and sing a song or two. Usually just a song, you know, for free. Because, I mean, more 99% of the time that I say I'm getting paid. But... You do have your yeah, open mics that you do want to participate in. So, um, you know, I was doing this stuff anyway. So why can't I, you know, perform and give back? And so what I um, ended up doing, I ended up calling a lot of my independent artists as well as a lot of the national recording artists that I know, and I started asking them to give up their time. And we start throwing these concerts and collecting the money that we would collect from the door, we would, we would uh, give to uh, the school, to Kennesaw State, as well as we started collecting various items. So 
Um, one day it would be shoes, the next day it would be blankets, and the next day it's canned goods, you know, just various things that we would collect. Um, and then it kind of evolved from there because we had other um, organizations saying, hey, can you help us? So we, we worked with um, I Will Survive and started uh, did a concert and was collecting scarves uh, for the cancer patients for their heads and getting the motivational books. Um, to read why they fought to the steamrolls and stuff like that. And we would, uh, we collected gas cards to get them back and forth to school. We collected over 2,000 water bottles to go to Flint, Michigan when they, um, was having that big drought. And, I mean, not drought, oh, but wow. problem over there. Um, I mean, there's so many things we worked with. Um, I, it's not I Heart, it's America, but it was, uh, it was something dealing with the veterans and we, we, um, did care packages for them. I mean, we've done so many things um, for so many people. Um, when I injured myself um, and had the surgery, I have not done for an entire year. I have not done one concert because, you know, I was killing myself, so I haven't been able to do any. But I plan on um, getting back on the bandwagon just this year um, now that I'm about to get released and um, can start doing these shows again. Mm -hmm. That sounds good. That sounds that sounds good. I can't believe that all that stuff came from that one, uh, that first event with the homeless college student, and then it just yeah. snowballed yeah. into all this other stuff. That's so crazy. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. All right. So, um, you, uh, Jared, have any more questions? Rob, you got anything? I mean, I, I'm good. I, I mean, I'll just, uh, I just, you know, um, <laughs> I actually am very, uh, like, you know, this is pretty good to hear all of this. I mean, it seems like you came from a long way. Uh, you dealt with a lot. And at the end of the day, you came up strong and you didn't let it, uh, because it did, it, it did seem like, you know, there was sometimes it seemed like you were almost at the level of, um, you know, giving up, but you know what, you definitely did not. And you just kept moving. And, you know, I even, I don't want to sound typical, but you know what, it is the most like, you know, traditional quote of all time, what doesn't kill you definitely always makes you stronger. And that is the, yeah, that is the truth, man. And that is the truth. Honestly, what, what gets me is the fact that like you produced all these little golden nuggets out of your downtime. Like you really fully took advantage out of not being able to have your mobility or be able to, to walk or healing. And you just put that knowledge into something else like writing the playwright, you know, or, or writing your book. It, it's just, crazy yeah man i appreciate that um yeah it, it was like you have to figure out you have to figure out where you can channel you know your energy because like for me if i didn't channel it somewhere i was going to really go into a depression which i of course had went into before but um it was like you got to figure out where you know what you can do to, to release all of this energy that's pinned up in you and so you know with me being a creative person anyway uh, writing is therapy, uh, singing is therapy, expressing myself in any type of way. I mean, I do graphics. I mean, I do so many things. And it's all therapy for me. It's all a form of entertainment for me. So, um, yeah, I haven't, I, like, I'm still performing, but I haven't, like, like, overseas, I'm, I'm a singer-dancer. Like, I think, you know what I mean? So, I, like, I can get on stage and sing a song or two. Like, even when I injured myself, I've sung City Gala in front of um, Wesley Snipes and Wes Brown and um, Lee Silver and all these big people. Um, um, so I've still done shows, but I haven't been able to fully dance it. You know what I mean? My last show, um, my last big show, because I, I, I ended up having the surgery on my knee. Like I said, I fell in September of 2018. I didn't have surgery until before 2019. Mm -hmm. Because I still had to, I still had to uh, go to LA perform at the City Gala, which is affiliated with the Oscars. So I had to do that in January. I had to go to Chile and I had to go to Mexico. By the time I came back from Mexico, it went from being a partial year, which would have only been six weeks this other time, to a year because I kept going. And so I ended up following myself more. Um, and so that's, that made me, I mean, that's a big, that's a dramatic. Six weeks you can handle. A year is like, oh, my God, <laughs> you know. So 
it was like I had to figure out where I could channel and put all this energy or it was going to get the best. You know what I mean? So I just dug in and, and, and you know, uh, the book came out and became the bestseller. Um, my voice magazine came out. So I was doing all these graphics. I had never done graphics to that extent of creating magazines before. Never. You know, so it was crazy. You know, we started the voice podcast and just all these different things have been birthed. Um, while I was working my divorce, I graduated from, um, I went back to school for marketing and public relations. I became first vice president of the Golden Key Honor International Society. I still to this day don't even know how I maintain straight A's, especially because I was overseas. But I just so happened to, my graduation was May of 2019. I just ended myself, and, you know, had surgery in April. I graduated in May, and I was determined to walk across the stage. Uh, one, I graduated from Magnus and Lottie. But I was determined to walk across oh, that stage without a walker. I had, you know, I'm too cool for that. So I had to get across that stage, and I walked across that stage without help. I had a brace on my leg, and then as soon as I got off stage, they had put me back in the water. But, you know, it's just, it's a, it's a mindset. You have to channel your mind and put your energy other places. You know what I mean? So that's just what I, I decided to do, and that's just what I, what I did, you know? Yeah, we mm-hmm. commend you for that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, of course. Thank you. Yeah, man. So, um, all right. So, um, do you have any uh, questions for us? Uh, no. Okay. Right. So, my head right now. <laughs> so what we're going to do is we're going to ask you to plug all your social medias one more time. Yeah. One more time. Let the world know your social media. Yeah, definitely. You can find me on Instagram, on Facebook, Twitter, on my website, on YouTube. Everything is Butter D Rocker. That is D U T T A. B R O C K A. Again, Butter B Rocker. B U T T A B R O C K A. All right, excellent. And um, we're gonna ask you this one more question. Um, now, but I want you to give us the most accurate answer when we ask you this. Now, our podcast is called "Life's Not a Box of Chocolates." Now, in a general sense, um, what do you think that that means? Tell me what. How do you perceive that? What does that mean to you? Life's not a box of chocolates. Go ahead. Life's not a box of chocolate to me means that you don't know what you're going to get, um, and you just got to be able to go with the flow. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's yeah, basically that's, that's that's exactly what it is. Yeah, that's exactly at least uh at least you get that because we've had a couple of people that um gave us answers that were like really all right, but you know what? It's good to hear that because that's what we were definitely wanting to hear. But of course, you know, it doesn't matter. I mean, we're just getting a whole diversity of uh, answers when it came to that. But that's what we usually ask everybody on the way out of each um, each interview we have. So, um, but right now, um, you know what, I'm just going to plug in my Instagram. Uh, this is the Voice of God signing out, um, a.k.a. Larry Tate, a.k.a. Voice of God's the God King City of God's Get on the Map. And uh, what do you got for us, Antoinette? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, this is Anthony. You can follow me at Anthony M. Vega on Instagram. Go ahead, Danny. Uh, Instagram is Dan. I don't have an Instagram. But make sure you follow the podcast. It's Box Chalk Pod. B-O-X-T-H-O-C-P-O-D on all platforms. Follow Butter Be Rockin' everywhere. Um, actually, I do have one final question. I saw that your name, uh, Butter Be Rockin', right? Butter is, uh, it was supposed to be how smooth your vocals were, right? But what does B stand for in B Rock? Does it stand for anything? Sorry. No, it it doesn't. It, um, I was in the studio with, with TLC, and they used to uh, the producer used to say. I think um, we lost you. When they used, yeah, I think he did. Um, when I was in the studio with TLC, the producers used to say they used to call me B Rocker. So when I was putting together my project. Because there's so many butters and, you know, fingers, I mean, rappers are named butter and stuff like that, it was like I needed to have something to distinguish me. So that's how I was saying it was butter be rocking. It's really nothing. Nothing big, it's just butter be rocking. <laughs> nice and simple. Mm-hmm. All right, butter be rocking. Uh, thank you very much for coming on. It was an uh, absolutely great, wonderful story. Yeah, thank uh, you very much, but thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate your time. I definitely appreciate um, you guys um, having me on your show. Thank you so mm-hmm. much. Danny, take it away. Oh, so uh, before you go, 
before you actually hang up, we do one last thing. Um, we do this thing called the golf clap. So I'm going to need you to actually participate with us, if you don't mind. Okay. We call the what clap? The golf clap. <laughs> it's called the golf clap. Don't worry, I'll walk you through it. Three step by okay. Step. Okay, so what you're going to do is you're going to extend your right hand uh, and make it to a 90 degree angle so where your left hand is about a foot away from the center of your chest, palm facing down. Okay. Okay, you get your right hand and you place it over your left, the back side of your left hand. Okay. <laughs> okay, and finally, I'm going to count it down from three. We're going to lightly clap on the back of your hand. That's all the, the golf clap. All right? Okay. You ready? Mm-hmm. Okay, that's a wrap on Butter B. Rocka. Thank you again very, very much. Really appreciated the time. Three, two, one, boys. Commence the golf clap. Commence the, it's called the Dumbledore clap also, but we Mark thank gentlemen. you. Yeah, yep, and the market gentleman, of course, but... <clears throat> Thank you so much, Butterby Raka. Your story was amazing, and we see where your two sons get their inspiration from. Yep. Yes. And Thank we... you. I appreciate it, guys. All right, hon. We appreciate have you. We'll, talk to, we'll keep in touch. Okay. Thank you. All have right. a good night. Bye. Talk to you soon. Bye.